Welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. So without further ado, let's get going. Welcome everyone to my chat with Robin Waite. Robin is a business coach, the owner of Fearless Business. He is a speaker and a bestseller author of many books. Tell us how many books you got, Robin. Uh, I Well, I'm kind of losing count. Uh, five, five officially, um, but I have number six is a... Um, uh, it's a translation to take your shot. So if there's anybody who can speak Spanish, they can buy a copy of Vea Elo. And then I've also got a chapter in Pivot and Grow as well. So technically it's seven. Um, yes. And did you, uh, did you read the uh, take your shot in Spanish yourself? No, I can't speak a word of Spanish. I can say the title, I can say hello, but that's about it. If anyone wants to uh, like get a copy of Take Your Shot and then get a copy on Audible, I highly recommend it because you read it you read it yourself, don't you? And that's uh, it's fantastic. I love the way you read it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I put on voices for the various different characters in the story as well. So yeah, yeah. a bit cringy, but but I think for the listener it's okay. Yes, definitely. So um, you're here with uh, me and my my pet grooming business group. Um, you know, we've I've come on to the I've come into the pet grooming world as a business mentor and it's um, not something that many people have maybe experienced or, or know anything about so um, really happy that you're you're happy to come in and speak to us all about pricing and your ideas around pricing and products and mindset so perhaps you can just give us an, uh, a, a quick brief on your sort of business history and how you came into being becoming a business mentor yourself yeah, so um, I'll, I'll try and keep it sort of relatively brief because um, obviously we want to get into the guts of this and talk about pricing and things like that. But um, no, I, I set up my first business, official business in 2004, which was a marketing agency, um, uh, predominantly doing web design and branding. But that was back in the days where marketing involved getting a website built and found on Google, um, getting some business cards printed, and then you chucked a BNI or something like that, and you could get clients. But there was also about a tenth of the number of businesses back then, and, and you know, getting found was easy. Um, as that business progressed, I reached a point whereby we, you know, there was dozens of marketing platforms coming onto the scene every year. It became a very complex market, um, uh, or complex business, uh, very competitive and overly saturated because people were just sort of um, driving prices down in terms of websites yeah. and things like that. And um, also what I realized was a lot of service providers, service business providers were really being looked down on by their clients because of that. So everybody wanted everything cheap as chips and the, you know, the moon on a stick, they wanted the best possible service for the least amount they could afford to pay. Um, and it made me realize why well, I, I went to a networking meeting one day and I got introduced to somebody as their web bitch. And I was like, it was like a dagger through the heart when you've worked hard on a business for 10 years and put your heart and soul into it. And, um, you know, given everything to help grow your clients' businesses, and then you get introduced like that, I realized I wanted to change like people's perceptions of service businesses, the service industry. Yeah. So wrote online business startup. Um, that that opened the door up to speaking opportunities and consulting and most importantly coaching. So I had a few people who said, and you know, this is around about 2015, 2016, who were like, I saw what you did with your business and what you've done for my friend's business. Could you do that for mine? And so Fearless Business started up at that point as a coaching practice, um, very much like one-to-one -one work at the time. So very heavy, a lot of heavy lifting. 
yeah. as you do when you start up any business. And then, um, you know, we've, we've now taken the model and turned it into a group program and it's, it's flying. It's going really well. So you help um, business coaches and you're uh, a mentor of mine within a, in a different program and you help business coaches with productization and money and mindset and pricing. Yeah, it's it's primarily coaches, consultants and freelancers. And and most people in service client businesses fit into one of those three categories. Mm-hmm. Um, but we like to, we've got to use niches and avatars and you've got to give them a name. So, um, so that's kind of our bread and butter. But yeah, anybody who's charging time for money and wants to get out of that and start to kind of understand how best to kind of package it up and when you get when you get the productization process and the packaging process um it's remarkable like the speed that you can make the changes and transformations within your business we're talking about like the old-fashioned way of marketing and getting more clients will take you months if not years to double your turnover a few tweaks to how you package and price things you can double your turnover in as little as two or three months Wow, this is going to be a fearless chat. I know it is. And yeah. uh, this is why I want you wanted you to come on and speak to um, the dog grooming community because there, uh, as I explained earlier, there's a, there's a lot of imposter syndrome going on. There's a lot of um, comparing themselves to other dog groomers like down the road and should we use their prices? Maybe a little bit of undercutting that they don't realise. And then there's a lot of fear around um, increasing those prices and fear around the VAT issues and stuff like that. So what's uh, your sort of take on the money mindset and where do we get our money mindset and our beliefs from when it comes to pricing and money? Yeah, I mean, the money mindset side of things, I'm I'm no psychologist. I'm just an avid enthusiast about sort of understanding why we make the decisions in business that we do end up making. And um, one which fascinated me, like, you know, and, and really what, you know, why it became so important in fearless business was pricing. Like I'm talking about having conversations about money. And one of the things I noticed that the person buying it rarely wants to ask how much something is. The person selling it rarely wants to be asked how much something is. And we just end up with this really awkward like moment where everybody's kind of looking at each other thinking, oh God, do we have to have this conversation? And I was like, why can't we enjoy it? Why can't we embrace it? What's stopping people from doing that? And um, one of the things which really um, sort of stuck for me was um, around like that money blueprint and that's installed in us between the ages of about three and seven. Okay. So I have a seven and a four-year-old and they can both now count. Obviously my seven-year-old can add up and do sort of basic calculations and sum, sums, but they have no idea about what a fair value exchange looks like. So, you know, what, what comes across for my three and seven-year-old is daddy, 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 more, more, more. And it's, it's, you know, they just pester you until they get what they want. Um, But actually, you know, most of us aren't born with a silver spoon in our mouths, don't have loads of money. We don't have trust funds. We don't have, you know, all have six figure jobs and incomes. And so 99% of the human population have been brought up as children hearing things like, oh, you know, you can't have those trainers. They're too expensive. We can't go on holiday this year because we don't have enough money. Money doesn't go on trees. Money is the root of all evil. We've had all this stuff like drummed into us and it sticks at three and seven and or between the ages of three and seven so when you then have a grown-up business you know and you're doing adulting type things where you then have to have serious conversations about money you're relying on a blueprint which is fundamentally broken and most people end up you know this is this is why you see 18 and 19 year olds who are more successful because if they can unlock that money blueprint 18 or 19 you know as young bucks 
compared to the likes of you or me, Bill, who are both sort of, you know, <laughs> mid to late 30s, aren't we? You know, okay. um, yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot more years on us to, uh, of work to undo. So, um, so yeah, so that's essentially why most people just have a poor relationship with money. And so that's why um, we undervalue ourselves, don't we? We be like, well, I'm just not, I'm just not worth that. I'm just not worth the extra money that I that I want. And um, that's where I suppose the imposter syndrome kicks in, but also that um, where we've grown up with our money beliefs, and that I'm just not, I'm just not worth that. Or um, something I hear quite a lot is, I just don't want to. I feel like I'm ripping my customers off, and that again is your own mindset isn't it your own beliefs yeah but it's it's the fear is around not being accepted like we hate it when we're rejected so if we give somebody our price and they say that's too expensive we take it personally so we have an emotional attachment to the outcome if you think about it if if you this is you know robin or bill with their poor money mindset hopefully it's better now and improving but poor money mindset over here and this is your business if if you're emotionally attached to the outcomes in your business and you have a wobble around money naturally it has a knock-on impact on your business mm. um so what we've got to do is we've got to try and find creative ways to um disconnect emotionally from the outcome to attach like as much as best you can so you can be all wobbly as you know over here with your money mindset but your business ultimately needs you to make money it needs to be profitable um and we need to not allow us our, our own poor money mindset to influence the decisions which need to be made over here and sometimes they're difficult decisions so one of the big biggest mistakes I see business owners make, especially in the pet industry, and as you know, I, I you know we've done a lot of work together on Shift to Success, but I'm also a mentor on um, a program called the Pet Professional Network, and um, so I'm, I'm I'm well aware of a lot of the big challenge, the major challenges that pet professionals have, and um, the most common one which comes around time and time again is they compare themselves to the competition. So. If, you know, Mary's looking at Dave, uh, Dave's prices and Dave's looking at Stephen and Stephen's looking at Trisha and Trisha's looking back at Mary, which one of those four pet professionals is actually an expert in pricing? The reality is probably none of them. And they're, you know, they're just like, if, if Trisha gets it wrong, by the time it's got to Mary and everybody's undercut each other, it's like this race to the bottom. Nobody's stood back like the, the mistake isn't necessarily looking at the competition the mistake is assuming that the competition are right yeah okay mm-hmm. what you need to do the right way to look at it is well we'll go and look at the competition anyway but we'll run their numbers and see economically does this work for our business if we charge what steve's charging down the road do his numbers mean that at the bottom of our profit and loss account we make 30 percent net profit or are we going to end up with a slight loss or barely scraping by because steve's massively undercharging and especially where you know steve might you know work on you know out of the local common land so he doesn't have any overheads or expenses or anything like that trisha on the other hand has been doing this a few years she's got a, a grooming parlor set up she's got a, a secure field where maybe she uh, her associates or she does some dog training or you know behavior work behind the scenes so she's got big overheads and expenses they can't charge the same amount trisha needs to charge a lot more economically for her business to work so you've got to focus on look at the competition by all means but don't assume that what they're doing is right look at your business and how much you're charging yeah definitely and going back to um you don't you know you don't know whether steve's being propped up by a wealthy parent or whether he's just about to go bust or bankrupt because he's not charging correctly so you've got to use your own figures haven't you to sort out your own prices and look at your own sort of 
turnover and what you need. 100%. Going back to that mindset, so um, the dog grooming world is predominantly um, sole trader. And I wonder whether there's something in this around when you're a sole trader, it's kind of your money, isn't it? It's It's your money. But when you're a limited company, that's your business's money. So when you're saying about that, flex and that joint is that the buffer is that going limited obviously there's cost implications of that but going limited does that open up that buffer for you so that when you're a sole trader it's kind of personal where it's limited as a business would you see look at you you, yeah you've got it i mean there's a there's a lot of different things going on there but you've got to look at the how does it first of all how does it make you feel i don't know about you but when i i I mean i i it took us a while to go limited in my my agency but the moment we went limited i felt more professional yeah. When we added that onto our bills, I was like, yeah, we've made it because now now we're making enough money to pay that. Right. Yeah. And it, it is a sign of success. It's not something that needs to be, you need to be afraid of. Um, wait, when you have a, a, a formal registered company address and you have to have serious conversations with accountants, it's a sign. It's a good sign. Mm. Um, and it, and it, it makes me feel more professional to be, to be limited, to be. And again, I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with being a sole trader um, for sure. But I, I just think there's something about it, you know, looking more professional, you feel more professional, there's a stake in the ground. And cost-wise, there's no real extra cost implications. Perhaps, you know, you have to pay a little bit more to your accountant. Um, uh, yes, you have corporation tax to pay, but you have to pay tax as a sole trader anyway. Yeah. Um, and actually, the government have done enough now to close the gap between the two. It used yeah. to be a massive benefit to be a limited company. Now there's no real benefit compared to being a sole trader, if I'm if I'm really honest. Um, but then when you kind of get into the realms of then charging VAT, for example, again, like most business owners, if if we turn around and said, hey, Steve, um, like you're doing 20K now, but uh, how about tomorrow you're doing 85K? Steve would be like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'd take that. Right? <laughs> You, you'd take it, wouldn't you? Mo- I think most people watching this would be like, yeah, 85K, I'd take that. They're really scared of it. People but, are generally scared and put off by their mates down the pub that going VAT will break your business. No, because, I mean, what you're talking about here, so even if you just passed that across on your invoices to your clients mm-hmm. um, and your prices go up by 20%, that is no great disaster. Most business owners have a very loyal base of clients and... Uh, to put it into perspective, you're certainly not going to lose 20% of your clients. And uh, I've I've had clients double, treble, quadruple, even 10x their prices, and they might lose single-figure percentages of clients, even at the 10x mark. So the reality is your most loyal clients will stay through a 20% price increase. Okay, so that's the first thing to remember. The ones that leave, generally are the biggest pain in the ass. They're the ones who want the moon, moon on the stick, don't get your value, probably phone you out 10 times a week and a real just nuisance. And, um, you know, in the agency, when we 5 x our, our prices, um, our support calls immediately dropped by 80%. So we knew, we lost 40% of our clients, but our support calls dropped by 80%. Yeah. That told us that the, the, the clients who wanted everything and were taking the most out of this didn't value us. So it's a good thing when you when you put your prices up. The reality is as well, most businesses have some kind of cost or outgoing. So you don't actually have to, yes, you've got to add 20% VAT onto your invoices, but you don't have to pass the entire 20% increase across to your clients. So it might be you only have to do it, say, uh, um, your invoices might only go up by 10% and you absorb the other 10% because you're paying money out 
on bills which you're paying VAT on, mm. right? A simple calculation is just add the VAT on yeah. and see what happens. And I can pretty much guarantee most clients will be like celebrating with you. You've hit VAT, VAT threshold and you've got a great business. That's it. And you need to celebrate it with your clients rather than be all sort of, oh no, what have I done? You know, and people are being led by their businesses. So they're being sort of driven by their business through the VAT threshold without realizing it rather than controlling it and driving their business through. Yeah. There, there are some things that you can do as well. So if you're sold, and it's, it's, I'm not a tax accountant, by the way, but so I'm, I'm giving you some advice, but it's always worthwhile checking with your accountant. If you're a sole trader and you hit that, that threshold, okay, um, and then you go, you incorporate, it actually gives you another six months buffer before, because your VAT effectively resets when you incorporate. Right. And most people don't know this. It's not a loophole. It's not. A, it's just part of the process. So actually, you can buy yourself six months if you hit VAT threshold and, and you incorporate. If you've still got the ability to do that, do it. If you're already incorporated, like I said, it's just a sign of success. So adopt it and have fun with it. And embrace it. Embrace yeah. it and celebrate it. Yeah. So if you're, um, so you, you, you're just starting your business, you obviously we've, we've advised you not to look at the boomer down the road to find out what their prices are. How would you go about starting up with your pricing? Where do you start with your benchmark with your pricing and how do you work that out? Because that's a massive question within industry and um, no one quite knows where to start with their pricing. Yeah, so this is where you're going to have to help me out, Bill, because I don't know the ins and all, all of the ins and outs of kind of the dog grooming industry necessarily. But um, what you've got to kind of start to think about is something called customer lifetime value. Okay, so as a very simple um, a sort of, uh, this is very rough, but as a calculation to work from. So for argument's sake, let's keep the math simple. If you wanted to um, get to £100,000 a year turnover, revenue in your business, um, and you know that the average client spends, say, £1,000 with you, over the course of 12 months. And I know that's probably maybe, maybe a lot in dog grooming industry. It may be a bit too high, yeah. <laughs> but let's just keep the math simple for now. Then you know that you need to find 100 clients who are willing to spend £1,000 a year with you. Okay. So, you know, imagine if we did have the Platinum Plus, you know, all singing, all dancing, grooming, uh, um, a program which was designed for, I don't know, poodles seem like quite high maintenance and they need to come in and have a quarterly groom. Well, it might be that, you know, a thousand pounds a year, especially if they're a Crufts, you know, yeah. uh, have Crufts potential, um, that's actually a small price to pay for, for some people. So now we're starting to get into the realms of asking questions like, well, who could afford to pay a thousand pounds a year for our services. Who do we get the best results for? Who can afford to pay a thousand pounds a year? Who do we enjoy working with the most? Mm. Okay, so there probably are dog groomers in certain parts of Chelsea and Kensington who could charge a thousand pound a client a year. But what we do is we, you know, we create a package for them. So rather than it being ad hoc and you just show up and pay per groom and it's going to take an hour, so we'll charge 50 quid for that. What we do is we say, well, actually, your poodle's high maintenance. You want to enter it into Crufts next year and we've got to keep on top of this. So how about we do it this way? Um, it's it's normally, um, you know, 300 pounds for a, a poodle groom and our platinum plus program or platinum plus you know grooming package if you do four grooms a year with us we'll set up a direct debit for 100 pound a month how does that sound so what we're doing is we're make we're, we're not compromising necessarily on our price mm -hmm. still the same price but what we're doing is we're making it more affordable for somebody to pay that money and easier for them to pay that money yeah. um if we end up 
kind of basically just selling on a groom by groom basis, we end up on something called the sales cycle of doom. We're constantly having to spin up the marketing machine, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver, sell, deliver. Bill gets ill. You know, Bill can't work. Bill goes away on holiday. Bill can't sell. Bill can't deliver. Therefore, Bill doesn't get paid. Mm-hmm. And this, this is the trap that we end up in. And then we come back from holiday, we get better, whatever. <laughs> big deep breath and off we go again. But for me, like going around in circles isn't the definition of success. So what we want to do is if we can get to a point whereby, uh, and the reason why we end up in that trap is normally because we're not charging enough. So we're constantly having to market and sell because we need to make more money because we don't have a buffer in the bank to give us the breathing room to take the foot off the gas to deliver a better quality product to our clients. Okay. So this is the point where we have to like we start to pull on lots of different levers, but the simplest one is if we do charge more, we end up with more time to deliver a better quality product or service to our client, which gives loyalty because now they're like, God, it was expensive, but that was the best poodle green we've ever had, which gives us, you know, more money on the back end, and the cycle kind of like expands out. And when we end up with a business which has a hundred raving fans within it, all of a sudden, you know, um, your world kind of opens up. It's simple. We can have far fewer clients. We make more money. We can afford to take on staff. We can do an even better job. We can have better quality premises and better quality grooming tools and products, you know, hair products for for our poodles and things like that, you know. I think um, from my own, from mine and Emma's business, A to Z, you know, we got to sell cycle of doom where we're getting busier and busier and busier and to um, sort out that busyness, we then hired staff. So then we start getting busier and busier and busier and we've got more staff and we carry on getting busier, but we're watching our profit now starting to shrink because we're now having to pay our staff more, but our prices were static and they weren't doing anything. So I think this is where a lot of um, groomers out there are finding at the moment is their books are either completely full and they've got no space to put new customers in or they just swamp to work and now they're thinking, oh, I need to hire more. I need to hire more people. But that's not the answer, is it? Putting, it, putting your prices up solves both of those problems. Hmm. So if you increase your prices, yeah, you're going to get fewer clients. But actually, that is like... Um, every business has this massive inherent amount of failure built into it. And this is the part of human psychology, which people just don't like, they don't get it. Okay. So for every 70 conversations that we start around, you know, somebody who might be showing an interest in our business, and I'm not talking about actual buying questions here at this point, a buying conversation, I'm talking about people who like our page, follow our posts, they engage with us, um, they, they, like, they comment on our pictures and they share our content and things like that. For every 70 people who are doing that, we'll probably book in 10 serious buyers into consultations, okay? And then out of those 10, a good conversion rate is probably somewhere between one in five and one in three, okay? So somewhere between 20% and 33 and a third percent. Let's round up to 40% just for argument's sake, keep the numbers simple, okay? So if you're closing more than one in three, your prices are probably too cheap. Yeah, I had a a conversation yesterday with someone that was, I said, if you had 10 customers phone you today and asked to book in and you give them the price, what do they do? And she said, they all book. Yeah, too cheap. (laughs) We actually want to be, so if you go 70, 10, 2, okay, so for every two yeses, we're getting 68 no's. So, you know, there's, there's this massive inherent amount of failure built into business naturally through the sales cycle. So if you can, 
get used to that again detach from the outcome and accept that no is a, is, a, is a normal thing to happen in a business it's okay for clients to leave let's focus on making the money you you can control both your profitability and capacity by increasing your prices so with that person if they can if i bet if they doubled their prices i bet they probably still close 60 percent of their business i bet if they trebled their prices they probably start to creep into that one in five to one in three sweet spot so they could have a third of the clients and be making profitability wise the same but i reckon probably significantly more money that's it and um i exactly the conversation was you know i'm so busy they're all booking in i want to take on more staff and you're like well then that's that cycle isn't it and you, yeah. if you take on more staff you'll just lose more money <laughs> and still be just as busy so I- I, I got into it's a different a different um, business here, but it was um, I did some work with an accountancy practice that were so they were turning over two point one four million, but their net profit on that was about hundred k. So really poorly leveraged, under five percent net profit, which is terrible for an accountancy firm. And but they stagnated. They put their kept their prices the same for the best part of six years. So when I challenged the CEO of this business, they had, um, there was a, it was a fifty person business. They had a board. I'm sat there in front of the board and I asked the question: When did you last put your price up? It was synchronized face palm between the CEO and the CFO six years ago. So I pushed them for a twenty percent price increase. So I, like quite hard. They went behind my back and only went for ten percent. But the reality was we we put the prices up by ten percent with a zero attrition. So there are two and a half thousand clients, not one left. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's proof in the pudding. You could have gone for 20% and we might've lost yeah. one or two, but um, so they went for 10%, but um, it cost them no extra to service that 10%. So if you take the extra 214 K, which is what that 10% calculated to, it fell to the bottom line and trebled their profit. Now imagine what a business can do with 300 K versus hundred K in terms of growth. Yeah. Now you can afford to take on an extra five members of staff plus throw some money into some interesting marketing campaigns and various things like that. Now we go on another stage of growth. And your pensions and all sorts. Couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and, it, and the pressure's off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, so pricing and, and naturally as well, like I said, pricing is going to re- reduce your conversion rate. So that takes care of capacity. Now you don't need all of those staff members you think you need because you've got the capacity, like, it, you know, it starts to kind of make sense. Yeah. And how, how do you tackle that price increase with your existing customers? Obviously, for new customers, I mean, I'm a big advocate for not displaying any of your prices. I'm sure you that's your advice, isn't it? So put your prices out there so you can talk to people and you can be flexible with your prices. How do you go about um, talking to your existing customers about your prices? I was just saying, Wil- Wilbur's come <laughs> to say hello. <laughs> to to there he is. Look. He's like, Daddy, where are my treats? Yeah, so pr- pricing for existing clients is what I call a, a PR exercise, essentially. Hang on, I'm, I'm just going to get him pop back on the yeah, set. No <laughs> there we go got him well trained that probably last about five seconds um so yeah so um pricing with your existing clients is a it's a pr exercise basically so um what i normally recommend people do is like you want to give people fair warning that your prices are going to be increasing you want to tell them 
by how much they're going to be increasing. If you feel that you need to, you can also put some justification in there as well. So uh, an email blast out to all of your clients, or you could do it next time they come into the shop, for example, the the grooming parlor to have their next, you know, cut and blow dry done or whatever the terms are. Um, uh, you, you can kind of just say to them, hey, listen, just to let you know, um, as of you know, 1st of June, our prices will be going up by 15%. Um, uh, we're giving you fair warning. Um, the reason for this is obviously our, our overheads have increased or we haven't put our prices up in three years or you know, inflation or yada, our cost for things. It's cost more now to yeah. import shampoo and you know, into UK because of Brexit, mm-hmm. whatever the reasons are. So we give them fair warning, give them a date, give them the, the price increase. Wilbur. Um, and go on, go and lie down on the bed. Bed. You never work with children. Look at that. Got him well trained. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and most clients will be happy with that. You'll get the old grumble and things like that. And again, detach. This is just part of business. We need to put our prices up. Because think, think about it this way no client wants you to go out of business if you're doing a good job for them, do they? Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. So a a client should be, okay, it's annoying. It's going to cost a bit more money, but they should understand. They should be empathetic, okay? Because if you don't charge enough, that's the reality. If you're not making profit, eventually it's either going to become a hobby, a charity, a not-for-profit, or you're going to go out of business. Those are kind of your four options. And get sick of it as well. And, you know, dog grooming is a very physical job. And there's many people I've been watching in the comments saying, you know, I'm pretty much broken by this. I'm not earning any money. (laughs) Yeah. And business should be fun. It should be enjoyable. It shouldn't be something which is taxing on your body, on your mind and things like that. It should be something you can wake up to every morning and be proud of it. And the thing is as well, that um, again, this is a a dog analogy, but Pavlov's dog also kicks in here. So if you want to understand the psychology of why people take on so many clients, it's not just about acceptance or being being accepted um, or fear of rejection. It's actually about, um, we get a little bit of a, you get a kick out of this whenever you sign a new client, right? Yeah. Yeah. A little ding, little ding goes off every time you sign a new client. So if you're cheap and you're signing up nine out of 10 clients or 10 out of 10 clients, it's like ding, 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 ding. Big rush. And you, you like Pavlov's dog, you move towards that because you get a good feeling out of the, the, the yes you don't think of the second and third order consequences mm. of what that yes actually means. And that's where we look at the profit and loss and analyze how profitable that is. You have to train yourself that if you sell a client at twice the price of what you were selling at last month, that it's not ding, it's ding, right? <laughs> so it's bigger, it's more rewarding. And I'm happier to wait longer for that bigger, better reward. Um, and it, it's just about retraining, like, um, ha- I don't know how to describe it. It's just about retraining that acceptance. Yeah. And getting used to it. And then, because I, I remember when, um, speaking to like yourselves and that about putting your price up, that, that tight feeling of sickness in your stomach going, I don't want to know, I really don't know how to do this, or I don't want to go out to our customers and do this. How do we do it? But fear is so much worse than the doing, isn't it? I can I can nearest damn it guarantee, Bill, that everybody who's watching this um, wants to increase their prices. Yeah. 
everybody wants to increase their prices. They just don't know how at the moment. Okay. So there's a very simple process that I, I wish I'd recorded this on my DSLR as well, because this would be great for the YouTube channel, but um, we we can get it edited. But there's a very, a very simple process to go through. So first we have to accept that we've got to put our prices up. And I think everybody would agree. Yeah, we could do putting our prices up. Okay. So that's taken care of. That's the easy first step. The second step is let's, let's start to see this as um, bandwidth. It's not just doubling your prices. Cause if I said to everybody here, right, Tomorrow, double your prices. Oh, no, couldn't possibly do that. Nobody will ever pay that. So the panic and the fear starts to kick in, okay? But there's bandwidth between what we're currently charging and doubling their price. There may be some people out there who are brave and just go for it and double their prices anyway and thinks, you know, sod it, I'm not enjoying it anyway. I've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Uh, I've had clients do that. Like I said, I've had clients just go out and 10x what they're charging. But what we've got to do is establish where we sit along that bandwidth, if that makes sense. So how we go about doing that. So give me an example of um, something which you're charging out at the moment and you know you need to increase the price bill, but you're really unsure about how okay. to do it. Um, I'll say something. So um, we offer teeth cleaning for, for clients and the initial appointment is £40, initial consult and uh, initial clean, which is probably about an hour's worth of um, consultation with half an hour of brushing the teeth. If a dog went to the vets to have this done, they'd have to have an anaesthetic and it would probably cost around £300 for that to be done. So yeah. uh, you come to dog groomers and we charge about £40 for a teeth clean and then follow-up appointments around £25. Okay, so if you package the two together, that'd be £65. So the bandwidth is 65 to 300 And Bill, you've agreed that you need to put the price up with it, okay? So what we're going to do is I'm going to start at 65 I'm going to gradually increment the price. And when you've feel that gut reaction, you know, let me know. All right. So, uh, so 65, so let's go 75, 90, 120. Straight in at 90. Straight in at, but, but 90 is more than 65. So what we do is we go out and the next 10 clients. So this is, so that step, step two is what is, well, <laughs> I'm doing an important thing here. Let's throw it in with a teeth clean. <laughs> <laughs> he needs it. He does need it. Bed. Bed. Good boy. Good. So, so step one, yeah, we agree we've got to um, put our price up. Step two, we've now hit that point of, right, it's £90. Had that gut reaction. That's you know starting to uh, go outside our comfort zone, outside our level of confidence. So um, step three is very simple. Next 10 people who come in and want a teeth clean, we pitch it to those 10 people. We just commit to it. We pitch 10 people at £90. And then we analyse how many said yes. I can guarantee, Bill, your conversion rate will be nigh on the same as what it was at 65 quid. Wow. Okay. Keep going. Yep. And then, and probably the first person who comes in and pays 90, you go, oh my gosh, Robin, I can't believe how easy that was. They said, yes, this is ridiculous. I've already put my price up to 120. Yeah. And then you, so, and it's normally, normally about a four to six week cycle, each price increment. So, and you go through exactly the same process, right? We've, we've closed four people at 90, feeling confident we can sell this. We're doing great service here, et cetera. Right. Gut reaction, 120, right. Next 10 people will pitch 120. And that cycle, we iterate every four to six weeks. And you probably find not, I mean, there are going to be economical sort of drivers where in certain 
counties, towns where people aren't willing to pay, you know, ridiculous sums for it. But there will be people out there who could probably get close to the same fees as what uh, a vet's charging, you know, um, without all the hassle. And they'll come to you because you do a great groom, you'll do your teeth as well. And it's that's fine. That's where so the loyalty is. Tell us about the, um, the proposition, the, 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 the talking to the customer about it, the giving value. What does Tell us all about the giving value because that's something really important when you're explaining your prices, isn't it? Yeah. So again, what you don't want to do is move into justification of your prices. So that when somebody challenges it, challenges you on your pricing, again, if we're attached to it, it's going to be personal. Mm. So this is where you have to kind of say, it's not personal. It's not, then it's not me. They're judging, you know, on my prices. They, they just have a question about, is this good value for money basically? So what a lot of people do though, is they immediately go straight into, like I said, feature selling. We are, we use the best products. We do the, this and this and this and this. And it's just like, it, you know, that's only good to a certain point, but it's like the difference for most people between, I don't know, using Sensodyne and Colgate. Like it actually means very little to us as a consumer. A better way to go around doing it would be, well, yes. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you would agree with them. Yeah. 90 pounds. Possibly it's expensive, maybe compared to some of our competitors. But you know, this is what no, you... but no, but yeah, literally right. let just... it land. So, Bill, right. let's let's do a bit of role play. Imagine I've just said that to you. Yeah, probably is a bit expensive compared to our competitors. Oh, see, um, so oh, I might have to go and find out what they charge them. Well, you can see what they charge because it's on their website. Right. But just to let you know, um, they got a couple of one-star reviews last week. Wow. What was, what was that for? Do you know? Uh, poor quality of service and one of the t- dogs, their tooth fell out. Really? So um, if I go ahead with you, what what, what does that £90 give me? Uh, well, we, we obviously have a, a professional service. You can see all of our five-star reviews now. You, you told me you were referred by Jane. You know, she said we did a great job with her lab. So, um, you know, you, you, you should have confidence in our service. But I tell you what I'll do for you. Um, we have a 100% money-back guarantee on our service. So if we do it and you're not satisfied with the outcome, you know, I our perceived value. Wilbur, what are you doing? <laughs> Sorry about this, Bill. Go on, Beth. I think it's because we normally come inside for lunch and he's stuck out here in the office with me, so. Ah, oh, Wilbs. Whoopi, have another one. It's my fault. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so we, we, uh, we offer that cast iron money back guarantee. And if at the end of it, you're really not satisfied with the level of service you've got, we'll just refund it. Cause it's, it's just not good for our reputation to be giving poor quality service. So we can do a service and if, you, if I don't like it, I'll get my money back. If you can prove that we've done a bad job, absolutely. Really? Okay. <laughs> Sold. Yeah. So pe- people don't need to know about, you know, all of the features. They don't need to know about like all of the, the um, like you, d- you don't need to kind of rationalize it for them. You've just got to give them confidence in your ability to deliver a high quality service. And that is it. And more often than not, one of the reasons why I did the little role play with you where I I said I just agreed with you. I said, "Yeah, they are. They are cheaper. We are more expensive." You have to think like, "Well, why are they more expensive than their competitors?" And more often than not, they will start telling you what is good about you and your service. And then when they go, "Oh, well, I'm going to go down the road anyway," you can kind of just say, "Cool, it's, it's free choice." But just to let you know, they got the one star reviews, and you know, yeah. 
yeah, we, we can offer you a more better service and more uh, a better customer care, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. So Jacqueline um, has just commented on here saying, I did a price increase at the beginning of the month, but I don't think we increased, increased them enough, probably out of fear. Should yeah. I wait another year? Because a lot of people only increase their prices like once a year by like a pound or two pounds or increase prices to new clients. You go out and you validate that higher price point. It's as simple as that. So remember, it's a four to six week cycle. If, you, if your conversion rate is still too high, you've got like strip your prices off your website if they're up there, because that might be something you're worried about. But yeah, you can go straight into a price increase. The only challenge is if, if you do it too frequently, hmm. you're, you're, kind of loyal clients will start to question it a little bit. So you're back into that kind of PR exercise. So what you may choose to do is you may choose to test and validate your prices on new clients um, alone. With existing clients, you might grandfather them into existing prices for six or 12 months, for example, and then hit them with a price increase once a year. Um, But yeah, certainly for new clients, new coming through, I, I would be testing and validating at new price points all the time. Yeah, I was going to say that. How do you catch up your old clients to your new prices? Because again, people ask, so we say like peak prices up, they're like, yeah, but what do I do with the old ones? So you, that's okay to sort of grandfather rights them for a bit and then yeah. start catching yeah, Absolutely. Up. But at some point you want to catch everybody up so they're pre- paying similar sort of price points. Like I did seven price increases last year on my program. And and one of those happened, literally, I did two two sales calls. I shouldn't say stuff like this, but I don't think my clients are watching this, but I did two sales calls back to back. And I, I did one in price increase and straight away did a second price increase just because I thought I could. You, like there's no science there's no that pricing everybody gets so hung up on it but there is no real science to this it's about your confidence and your ability to deliver that level of value and make sure the customer is going to be happy and well looked after yeah and your price point your prices is very dependent on your business and what your business requires that's why again going back to you can't compare yourself to other pet groomers and what they charge because they have completely different overheads to what you have that different overheads but the second thing which people don't take into consideration as well bill is um uh, intellectual property so how long have you been in the industry for what certifications have you invested in why why are you better than your competition because all of those things do help to give you more confidence in your ability to deliver that better quality product um and but if you think about it like and this is why when you shift from hourly rate charging, most people who charge by the hour haven't taken into consideration overheads and that, that, that intellectual property. When you factor those in, typically you should be charging three times what you charge per hour because it's a third for my time. It's a third for my intellectual property and knowledge. And it, it's, it's a third for my overheads, the cost that, you know, how much it costs me to run my business. There's always some big price increases going on, I think. Yeah, I hope so. That's the, that's the whole point. <laughs> so um, like maybe people come into the industry, they're new or, you know, they're struggling to get a few clients, so they start looking at discounting. So, you know, um, 10% off if you've got another dog or 25% off your first groom. That's certainly something that we did, 25% off your first visit, and then you refer a friend and you get 25, they get 25% off as well. What's your uh, views all around discounting your prices and how, how can it be done? Yeah, so d- discounts, I, I, I don't have too much of a problem with doing sort of volume-based discounting, but you need to limit the amount of um, out, limit the amount of a discount you're actually offering. So when you start to go above 5 or 10%, it can be quite, um, it can erode your profitability within the business, especially if you're doing it time and time and time again, because effectively you're just setting 
the bar lower with your pricing. Um, so that's the first thing to remember. And typically a 5% discount means you've actually got to sell somewhere close to 16% more of the same product in order to make the same amount of profit. Most people assume that a 5% discount means it's just, you know, I've got to sell 5% more. Actually, by the time the money falls down through your your profit and loss, you know, i.e. through your overheads, it compounds. So you've got to sell so much more. Um, but volume-based discounts, yeah, if an extra dog, if they're putting an extra, well, stop it. If they're putting an extra dog in uh, for a groom, um, so, you know, don't do two for the price of one, but certainly give them a 5 or 10% discount. Or what you could do is charge the same, but give them something of higher perceived value as, as a gift. So, um could you throw in an extra bottle or two of dog shampoo as a thank you for giving them two dogs that week? Does that make sense? So high perceived value, it's it's a nice to give, but you're not eroding your profitability or your, your revenue. Yeah, so like something that we do is if someone rebooks within um, six weeks, we charge for our nail trims alongside a room, we'll give them a free nail trim. So it's three pounds yeah. five, but they like they like that sense that they're getting something for free, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And to, to them, it costs you, but, you know, a couple of minutes or something like that to kind of go through and do it. So it's like, it's a minimal, minimal sort of cost. Um, there was, there's another side to this as well around um, why, you know, disc, discounts and um, sort of how, you know, how erosive they could be. And you mentioned about sort of offering a 25% off your first um, uh, groom, for example. Now that's something called an unrefusable offer. Okay, that's or an attraction offer that is designed to get people in for their first groom. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is actually acceptable. That's okay because there is a cost associated with marketing. And if that's absorbed in that 25% to get somebody through the door the first time, but that you then know that that client's going to come back three, four, six times a year for future grooms, you know that you're going to make up the 25% in, in future work, customer lifetime value. So that's actually acceptable as well. But you have to know, again, if, if, if at 25%, if it's costing you money to do it at 25% less, and that's going to mount up and you're doing loads of free ones, but not getting the follow-ons, yeah. there's a problem there. That's when it, you know, you need to question whether that's a good decision or not. You need to understand your marketing budget and how much you're spending on on advertising yeah. when you're giving that sort of discount out. Yeah, hundred percent. Do we uh, do we have time just to touch on the triangle of truth? I think we almost touched on it earlier, didn't we? Uh, it's not something I've put into my group before or spoken about, but you were saying about um, the triangle of truth and how you can't have cheap, good, and remind me what the last one was. Uh, cheap, good, and uh, sorry, it's it's quality, cost, and time. And this so, is and so this is sometimes why we get complaints from our customers because they don't understand this and Google it, it's the triangle of truth. They don't understand that you can't have all three, can you? Maybe you can just lead us through that a little bit. Yeah, so the, so the idea being, so it, it, there's no, if somebody wants something done cheap, then it's going to either take longer or the quality is going to be compromised, okay? So second one, if, if somebody wants something done fast, then it's going to be more expensive. And again, the quality could be compromised. And if somebody wants something done super well, um, generally speaking, it's either going to take a bit longer or it's going to cost them more. So, but there is no way that you can have something done cheap, fast and to the best quality that, you know, the highest standard there are, there's, there are a handful of examples in quite random businesses where you can potentially have all three, but let's be fair. 
we we're focused on i think with your clients it's going to be the highest quality of service and so that takes time and it costs money and and they should you shouldn't compromise on that i don't think anybody woke up in the morning and said you know what we're going to take you know our poodle fido down to a dog groom we want it done super fast and not done very well they never woke up wanting that so why would we deliver it no that's it and I think that goes to explain why sometimes you have those loggerheads with customers because they just don't understand that. So it's always worth having the, in the back of your mind or in, in the back office that triangle of truth saying you can't have all three at the same time. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's been – your dog's destroying your office. and It's been <laughs> – did it's you hear of, that in the background? Yeah. <laughs> Ripping the box apart. Thankfully, it's not important, so it's okay. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure um, to speak to you. And I'm sure, you know, people will watch this back and they'll get some real value from what you've told them. And hopefully I'll be reporting to you in a few months' time or a few weeks' time, you know, the wins are going into the group where they put their prices up and they're charging extra and they get more money for what they're doing. Where can people find out, sort of read more about, read your books and find out more about you and your YouTube channel and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the best bet is to go and grab hold of a copy of Take Your Shot, which is obviously available on Amazon. Um, it's actually the paperback's pretty cheap on there at the moment. So I'm doing a bit of a deal just to get back up into number one bestseller. So if people can support me and grab hold of a copy of the paperback, I'd hugely appreciate it. But that, that has... That has some of the principles. It's only a short read. It'll only take about 90 minutes to two hours to read. It's only 100 pages long. But it's got the principles in there around that sort of packaging up, productizing process, talking about pricing and things like that. And it's told in, in the form of a story. So you can get quite immersed in it. But um, but yeah, that would be a great starting point for anybody who wants to know more about how to increase their prices. And then, yeah, um, I, I've got my YouTube channel where I, I you know, we talk a lot about um, all of this, this sort of thing as well. But yeah, go, Google me and, uh, you know, if people have got questions i'm in the group now as well so yeah. um you know just just um tag tag me into the post i'll always have always happy to take questions around pricing sales and things like that excellent i do believe i'm up to about five reads of you take your shot at the moment it is, <laughs> i do enjoy reading it and if i'm ever having um maybe having a down day or i need distracting from like my head I'll just go and read it. And you can read it in an afternoon. And again, it just brightens you up and motivates you again. So it's a, it's a fantastic book. And I have to thank you for, for writing it. It's been awesome. That's it's a pleasure. Great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Robin. And thank you for helping me out with my technical issues. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Well, thank you for bearing with me whilst Will has been busy sort of distracting me behind the scenes. <laughs> That's right. We've all, we've all got dogs, so you will understand I, it. I don't think there's any interview where you could possibly get away with that, is there, apart <laughs> from a, a dog-related um, uh, group? So, yeah. yeah. That's it. That's it. Thanks for your time and uh, make sure that uh, we put, put in some wins for you so let you know that it's all uh, people have taken note and listened and are implementing your advice. Thanks awesome. For- My pleasure.